Well, good morning. This morning we're going to be talking about the sin of greed. Greed can be defined as this, an intense, selfish and excessive desire for more of something, such as money, wealth, power or food, than is needed. That sense of what we have is never going to be enough. That uncontrolled longing to have more, to acquire more, to own more, to be more, more status, more power, more wealth for ourselves, that is greed. It's an ugly thing. It is what prompts us to hoard things close to us, to shallowly go after more and more, pushed by that fear of never having enough. Not FOMO, but phony. Greed is a bottomless pit of want. Whatever we have is never enough. Greed is something that impacts us all right from when we are young. I'm a mum of three boys, all big now, but I remember right from when they were tiny, something we see with little people even before they could speak, that action of pulling things close. Mine, mine. Who taught them that? Well, not me. <laughs> remember the seagulls in Finding Nemo? How we all laugh at that, but also cringingly how we relate to it. It is something we have to recognise, acknowledge and confess to move beyond. And it's not easy. Greed is something we need to unlearn in our lives. So what does the Bible say about greed? Do you know the Bible warns more about greed than nearly any other sin that we're talking about in this series? A clear warning in Luke. It says, beware, guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. That's pretty clear. Our lives are not measured by what we own. We should not measure and compare our lives that way. It is easy to adopt the mindset that acquiring stuff can bring us happiness, meaning and security. But instead of constantly focusing on this, we need to be preparing to stand faithfully before Jesus at the end of our life, as then it will not matter how much we own, but only hearing him say, well done, my good and faithful servant. In 1 Timothy it says, But people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. Oh, wow. Foolish and harmful desires plunging us into ruin and destruction. Oh, that sounds bad, but it gets worse. In their eagerness to be rich, that craving for and love of money, they wander from the true faith. The message translation says, some lose their footing in the faith completely and live to regret it. Love of money can derail our faith. Greed can push us to give up the eternal things of God for the sake of earthly and temporary things. 
to seek after the gifts and not the giver, to substitute God for what he provides us. Money can have a hold over us, causing us to live in fear with a scarcity mindset that we will never have enough, that we need to seek for more. That is not how God wants us to live. That is not God's best for us. So what does greed do to us, to our faith? You know, greed hits a nerve with us. Jesus talks about money a lot. He used money to illustrate the kingdom in so many ways. Why? Because what he was really talking about was changing someone's heart. And nothing is a better indicator of our heart and our soul than our attitude towards and use of money. The way we use money can show us where our heart is. Do we hoard it? Do we waste it? Do we steward it wisely? Are we ready to share it? Are we willing to give it back to God, the one who provided it? What we spend money on can reveal what we place importance in, what we value most, what we worship. Greed is the worship of more and better for ourselves. It can easily sneak up on us, wanting a bigger house even though our house is fine, desiring a new car even though ours works well. It says in Luke, no slave can serve two masters. He will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. You know, this is the one sin where we say we can devote ourselves to both. I am strong enough to serve both God and money, but you can't do it. Jesus said it's one or the other, either God or money. Chasing after the things of this world, riches, power and wealth can lead us further from God. We can begin to be devoted to money. We lose our focus on the things of God, the riches that matter eternally. It can keep us from needing him, putting our faith in him and trusting him. Why does God warn us so much about this sin? because he wants the best for us. He wants us to need him. And when we chase after the things of this world, we can forget to worship him who provides because we have all we need. Money can blind us to our spiritual state. In Luke, Jesus shares this story called the parable of the rich fool. A rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. He said to himself, what shall I do? I don't have room for all my crops. And then he said, I know, I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Then I'll have enough room to store all my wheat and other goods. And I'll sit back and say to myself, my friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy, eat, drink and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, you will die this very night. Then who will get everything you've worked for? Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. We have a choice to be someone who only stores up riches for themselves, earthly wealth, 
or someone who is rich towards God, who seeks to follow God's call and example of generosity. You know, each time we hang on tightly to something for ourselves, the firmer our grip becomes and the more difficult it is to let go. This letting go is hard. It needs to come from a change at a heart level, an increase in trust. For me, I think sometimes my firm grasp, my greed, is prompted by worry. I worry that I won't have enough. That if I give things away and be generous, that my family will be lacking in some way. But I know that I need to push back against the greed and trust God, who so clearly says he will care for us. He's provided everything anyway. The things I'm holding on to, he has given in the first place. I just need to trust in him. And I love that straight after this parable about greed, Jesus brings us a reminder that we do not need to worry, that he is in control, that the money we have is a gift from him, that with the power of his Holy Spirit, we can change our heart, we can learn to let go, and he will take care of us. He must have known that I needed to hear that straight away because it goes on to say, then turning to his disciples, Jesus said, that is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food to eat or enough clothes to wear, for life is more than food and your body more than clothing. Look at the ravens. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for God feeds them and you are far more valuable to him than any birds. Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And if worry can't accomplish a little thing like that, what's the use of worrying over bigger things? Look at the lilies and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for flowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? And don't be concerned about what to eat and what to drink. Don't worry about such things. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers all over the world. But your father already knows your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and he will give you everything you need. Sell your possessions and give to those in need. This will store up treasure for you in heaven and the purses of heaven never get old or develop holes. Your treasure will be safe. No thief can steal it and no moth can destroy it. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. I know where I want my treasures to be. So, what is the opposite virtue of greed? It's generosity. The definition of generosity in the Webster Dictionary is the quality of being kind, understanding and not selfish. The quality of being generous, especially willingness to give money and other valuable things to others. Generosity is a readiness to give help or support, especially more than is usual or expected. 
It's going over and above. It is sacrificial, thinking of ourselves and our wants less and putting the good of others ahead of our own. So what does the Bible say about generosity? Well, in Proverbs it says, some people are always greedy for more, but the godly love to give. The godly love to give. It is part of who we are, not just something we do. It brings us joy. In 2 Corinthians, it says, remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. God calls us to be generous and to be cheerful in it, knowing that he is our provider. He gives us everything. We will have all we need and plenty left over to share with others. Take this passion fruit, for example, provided to us by God through his creation. If I have one passion fruit, I can enjoy it, that's for sure, yum. I can consume it and it will be good. But this is an amazing fruit. It is an example of God's generosity to us. It's jam-packed, full of seed. Not only is it delicious, Not only will the flavour bring joy when it's consumed, but if I open it up, if I am willing to be generous with what is in my hand, many more will be blessed. If I scoop out the seeds and bring this to God in thankfulness and generously share it with others, imagine what could happen. Yes, people may take it, and eat it and enjoy it, but they could also take each little seed and plant it and see a new harvest of so much more. When we are willing to open up, to sacrifice something that could just be for ourselves and to give to God, he will do more than we could dream with what we offer. He will make new plants grow. He will bring opportunity for flourishing and then a harvest of brand new fruit to bless many, many more. So what does generosity do to us, to our faith? Do you know, generosity cures greed. It puts the desire to help others over storing up treasures for ourselves Being generous moves us closer to living by faith. We must trust in God as we sacrificially release what he has gifted to us to benefit others. The truth is we don't own anything anyway. God gives us all we have. Our wealth has been given to us and is on loan to us. We are called to be managers, to manage the talents and gifts God gives us and to steward well the money that comes from that. 
Do you know, as parents, we were always looking for ways to encourage our children to be generous. Not just with their money, but with their time, their talents and their words. Taking the focus off I want and the need for more to seeing how blessed they were and how they could share that to bless others. You know, the Bible clearly calls us to be generous and compassionate, and we wanted our boys to grow in that. And generosity always also benefits us physically. Being generous releases happiness endorphins and can reduce stress, which I think is pretty important at the moment. To me, this is another reason why it is so important to God. He created us. He knows that being generous is for our best. It's how we thrive. So how did we encourage this in our kids? Well, we tried to model it. Children watch us and they copy us, the bad and the good. Children who see generosity demonstrated are more likely to be generous themselves. We modelled a habit of consistent giving to God, bringing our first, our tithe to him, and being generous with offerings beyond that when we were able. We showed them that sometimes we have to make a sacrifice of something we may want in order to be generous. We have to put others before ourselves. We talked about it, looking for opportunities to explain to them that God is generous to us, that he provides all we have. And it's so important that we take the opportunity to thank him, to return to him the first of what he gives us to be generous to bless others. And we tried to give them the opportunity to practice it, whether it be through bringing their pocket money tithe to God, making and giving gifts, helping a brother, that one got big kudos, or a friend, sharing or giving something that they treasured to another. We didn't always get it right. It wasn't always easy, particularly when a younger brother broke a precious toy that you so kindly and generously shared. But when you see your kids serving their community, being generous with their money and putting others before themselves, it does something pretty special to a mother's heart. I can only imagine what it does to our Father God's heart when we are freely cheerfully and abundantly generous to others. Each time we put self behind us and open our hand and give beyond ourselves, a little bit more of the block is chiseled off. More of God's intended design is revealed. The power of the Holy Spirit in our lives is what brings about this heart change, His grace covering our sins, his power at work within us, growing us, shaping us, molding us. It's not all up to us. However, there are things we can do to awaken ourselves to this change, to open our hearts and hands and to lean towards generosity. Can we find a way to think beyond ourselves in this challenging lockdown time? Can we generously share words of encouragement and joy to build others up? Can we generously give of our time to share with others, a FaceTime chat, a walk with someone in our 5K, 
Can we create a gift to place in a neighbour's letterbox? Can we share from our abundance with someone who is in need? Can we look at what God has given us and see how we can be generous in our giving? Do you know, even if this church, our church, had every resource, which unfortunately it doesn't, God would still want us to give because giving aligns our heart with his. It helps us to remember that he is our provider and that he loves us and he has so generously given to us. It prompts us to think outside of ourselves when we give with thankfulness to our local church, his church, We are taking up the opportunity to be part of God's kingdom, impacting our community for good, bringing God's peace, love and joy to this broken world. Each step we take, each time we move towards abundant generosity, with God's grace, we push the sin of greed further back and become more of God's best for us. There is only one thing we should chase after, one thing we should be greedy for, and that is more of Jesus in our lives. We encourage you to take a moment of Selah now, to pause, to reflect, and to be thankful as you listen to Give Me Jesus. You can have all this world Just give me Jesus.